Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, how to donate, and how to find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 1 through 7, called Adoption as Sons. We're going to look at Galatians 4, 1 through 7, Adoption as Sons. Galatians 4, 1. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, Galatians 4, 1, he does not differ at all from a slave although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, we are humbled and grateful to be in your presence this morning in the corporate beauty of a gathering like this, to sing your praises, to look into your word, as Shane mentioned earlier, to get to know you better. And one of the beauties of who we are in Jesus is that we can realize what you've done for us, the lengths that you went to to make sure that we would be in your family. And this idea of adoption permeates this text, and it, it is close to the heart of many who are here. Maybe they were adopted, maybe they are adoptive parents, and this image of adoption is a beautiful and powerful image of what you did to bring us into your family. The price, incredibly costly. The message, we have great value. We are loved. And in light of everything that's going on in our world, Lord, right now, here in our community, here in Southern California, we need medicine for our souls This world needs to know who you are. And Father, I pray that you would just speak and that it would not just be the voice of a man that people hear, but it would be the voice of God speaking through the scriptures by the power of the Holy Spirit, shaping us, molding us, encouraging us, and showing us the beauty of the gospel. We lay this time at your feet. Pray you'd be glorified in it. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Good morning again. This is a communion Sunday, so we'll be taking uh, the Lord's Supper at the end of this message, so if you could prepare your heart for that. Well, this has been a tough couple of weeks here in Southern California, and specifically in the Inland Empire, but really, you know, out into Southern California, Los Angeles, and really around the world, as uh, we had a local situation happen where three uh, teenage boys connected to North Point and a couple other churches were killed in a tragic car accident. I had the privilege of going to their service at Crossroads on Tuesday. It was about a three-hour service. It was extremely powerful, uh, emotional. Uh, Everywhere I looked, there were high school students there. Every seat was filled. There were people outside. There were over 3,000 people at this memorial service. 
Uh, about a thousand people went to the prayer vigil on Friday night. And uh, the incredible thing about the pain of this situation is that it has opened up an opportunity. You could even call it a divine appointment for many to hear about the truth of the gospel. And then, uh, as you well know, there was the helicopter crash uh, last Sunday morning. I was up here at the pulpit. Someone, Shane, actually brought up his phone that Kobe Bryant was killed, but it wasn't just Kobe Bryant. It was eight other souls, including the baseball coach at Orange Coast College, and there were uh, young people involved. And once again, the, uh, the world, and here specifically in our own backyard, reels with hurt and questions. On Friday night, the Lakers played for the first time since the, uh, the crash. They did a tribute to Kobe, to his daughter Gianna, and uh, to the seven others who died in the crash. And I watched it, and uh, they had some music, and they had a, uh, a speech uh, about Kobe Bryant. But you may have seen this. Usher, the, the musical artist Usher, went up there and sang Amazing Grace. I have no idea where Usher stands with the Lord. But I thought it was incredibly insightful and powerful when I heard him say, kind of ad-libbing in the song, these words. We need you right now, every man, woman, and child. Please send your grace. We need you, Lord. We need you right now. I thought that was powerful, especially as it followed the familiar words of amazing grace sung to a packed staple center and then broadcast all over the world. I looked, you know, within the last 48 hours to see how many people watched uh, Usher sing that song, and there was one and a half million views on the internet. And so people are hungry to, to ask some questions about things that are going on. And we have our questions, we all do, about things that happen. And in our particular text this morning, we see a phrase, I want you to just take a peek with me ahead for a moment. It's the phrase in 4-6, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. I did a search on that phrase, and it's only found three times in the New Testament. Uh, the other place other than our text here is Romans 8.15, which we'll talk about uh, as we move forward. And the one other place, and I want you to look with me at the other places in Mark 14. All right, so you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at the beginning of your New Testament. Mark 14. The scene is familiar. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying to his father. Matthew tells us when he voiced this prayer, he was falling on his face, and he, he did it three different times. Luke describes Jesus as being in great anguish. In Mark 14, 36, I think the, the context, the moment is insightful. Jesus was saying, or you could say he was praying, Mark 14, 36, Abba, Father, all things, Mark 14, 36, are possible for you, remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus, in addressing the Father at probably the most anguished moment of his human life outside of the suffering of the cross, when he was really wrestling with the prospects of the cup of suffering, the cup of God's wrath, that he would drink in full measure for the sins of the world, he addressed his father as Abba. And scholars who look at this idea of Abba say that 
It's an Aramaic word and probably best rendered in our language as daddy. Maybe in other cultures it might be papa. It's an incredibly intimate, familial, familial uh, word. And it's a word that for those of us who have had children or have children, we know that that word daddy, when it's as a father, when you first heard those words, daddy or dada, um, and, you know, for me, especially I think with the firstborn, that's the first word I wanted to hear, so I practiced it with him all the time. Say, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. See, he said it, right? But I remember uh, highlights of my kids' lives when they would get hurt, and it would be, daddy, 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 daddy. And that's precious, and it uh, can be emotional. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's essentially what Jesus is saying. Abba. If it's possible, take this coming pain away from me. But not my will, but yours be done. If you turn back to Galatians 4, Todd Wilson writes in his commentary on Galatians, Did you know a baby's cry matches its mother's language? A newborn child just two or three days old cries in a distinctive way, mimicking the sound of the child's mother. Researchers recently studied 60 healthy newborn children from both French and German families. What they found was fascinating. Each newborn baby has its own cry melody, a specific pattern of sounds that is unique to his or her cry. But more than that, they found that the babies will match their cry to the sounds and intonations of their mother's voice. Two things discovered in this study. One, a baby's cry matches its language. Two, it matches the intonations of its mother's voice. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Remember the disciples had asked Jesus, how should we pray? They kept watching him pray. He was modeling prayer, but he was also modeling an, an intimate relationship with the Father and, of course, a yielding to the Father's will. In fact, many times, for example, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, the Father sent me, the Father sent me, and then he will say in John 8, 29, and I always do those things that please my Father. The heart cry of a believer is Abba. And sometimes when non-Christians maybe hear you pray as a Christian and you say, Father, they might be a little bit surprised at that term. And we want to be careful with the term, of course, because we know God is holy and we want to have reverential awe for Him. But Jesus taught us to pray, Father. In Ephesians 2, 17 and 19, it says, And He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. 
Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Michael Lance serves as senior pastor, must resort to live streaming their Wednesday night and Sunday morning services. If your church isn't able to live stream their service, we invite you to fellowship with us from the comfort of your home during this unfortunate time. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. But Jesus taught us to pray, Father. In Ephesians 2, 17 and 19, it says, And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. That's Ephesians 2, 17 through 19. One writer says, Paul realizes that the Galatians have begun to doubt their status as God's children because of false teaching. And sometimes this happens because of doubt and even pain. And thus they were doubtful about whether they would receive God's inheritance, eternal life. So Paul points to this distinctive cry. You could call this our distinctive cry, and it is, Abba, Father. Some years ago, when I first preached this text in 2005, I was watching a program right before the Sunday services. I think it was on a Friday night. I think it was called Save the Children or Save Our Children. I watched stories of these children who were all longing to be adopted, but what they were really longing for was love. They wanted to belong. They wanted to be loved. As each of the stories of the kids was told, your heart began to break for them. You found out later in the show that some were fortunately adopted. But it was much harder, especially for the older ones, to be adopted. The older ones had more pain for a longer time. There was often dysfunction, often drug use, brokenness. And the, the parents, the, the potential adoptive parents who opened their home to these kids open their home to all those potential problems as well. And so when we open our homes in this way, when we uh, adopt a child, and um, I can't tell you that I know that firsthand. I know families who have done that. Uh, I personally don't have that experience, but I do know it's a risk. But the biggest thing I think that motivates the whole thing is love. When God wanted to convey to us what he did in our lives to rescue us, He wanted us to muse on, consider the idea of adoption. And I think that that's amazing. I've heard some stories of international adoption that are incredible. 
In fact, one of the authors I read this week said that he and his wife adopted two boys from Ethiopia. And he was talking about the expense of international adoption because the parents will travel long distances on planes. They will have to deal with foreign governments. They will have to deal with the, the differences in language. But the, the goal, ultimately, what, what's the desire? It's to, it's to bring a child into your home. It's to give them your name. It's to show them love. And for Christian families, it's to bring a child into a relationship with the Lord as well. In Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, Paul wrote, Just as He, God, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us, Ephesians 1, 5, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. This theme of adoption carries all the way through to the afterlife and even the millennial reign of Christ when Paul writes in Romans 8.23, and not only this, but we ourselves having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so this theme of adoption carries its way through from being born again into God's family to finally realizing the new redemption body, which will never get sick, never die again, etc. And so it's a hopeful theme all throughout our Bibles. Adoption is the act of taking voluntarily a child of other parents as one's child. In a theological sense, the act of God's grace by which sinful people are brought into his redeemed family. The New Testament, in the New Testament, the Greek word translated adoption literally means placing as a son. And this particular practice was something that did happen in the Greek and Roman world. Teacher Debbie Moon's first grade class was discussing a picture of a family. The little boy in the photo had a different hair color than the other family members. One child suggested that that was so because the boy was adopted. A girl in the class responded that she knew all about adoption because she had been adopted. Another girl asked what it meant to be adopted. Her classmate answered, quote, Adoption means that you grew in your mommy's heart instead of in her tummy, close quote. In the eyes of the law, the adopted one became a new creature. In Roman society, he was regarded, she was regarded as being born again into a new family. And this is the illustration of what happens in conversion. Let me give you the illustration in verse 1. Now I say, Galatians 4.1, as long as the heir is a child... Most scholars say the best way to render child here is a minor. He does not differ at all, you can say practically, from a slave, although he is the owner of everything. And IV, what I'm saying is this, that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. Now, if you've been with us in Galatians, the question that's been hovering over the text is, who are the true children of Abraham? Who is going to actually inherit the kingdom of God? Who is connected to the ultimate seed, Christ? Who are his offspring? Who are his seed that would outnumber the sand of the seashore or the stars of the sky? Who are the true heirs of the promise? And how does one obtain the promise? 
Do you have to be Jewish? Do you have to be circumcised? Do you have to have a certain kosher diet? Do you have to go through certain rules and regulations? Do you have to go through a mikvah ceremony in water? Do you have to be baptized? What is it that brings someone into a right, adoptive relationship with the God of heaven and earth? That is the ultimate question, is it not? We need to know how one is saved. And Paul has gone through great lengths to turn the jewel of the gospel to show us many different ways in which we can get the idea of who we are in Jesus. In the ancient world, the division between childhood and adulthood was much more definitive than it is in most societies today. You've been listening to Adoption as Sons, part one on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 1 through 7. And remember, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And please take time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about our program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. Our mission is to equip you and new listeners with the truth in the Bible and how it applies to today's issues, trends, and culture. Look, we know times are tough and a little crazy right now, and that's why we're only asking for a small donation. So if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe the Lord is faithful, and your $5 donation will go a long way to help keep this ministry thriving. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on Donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on Donate. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we know that the word slave um, has been talked about a lot in, in the recent months that we've been looking at a lot of racial tension in our country. And sometimes when people see the word slave in the Bible, they're like, well, is the Bible endorsing slavery? Well, the Bible is acknowledging that in the Roman world, uh, I've heard as much as a half of the population in the Roman Empire was in some form of servitude. And that's just the reality. And so that Paul would address things like that and address slaves and masters and tell people to love each other and treat each other with equity and dignity. But the slavery talked about in Galatians 4 was the slavery to the elemental spirits, the slavery to false gods, to the flesh, the world, the devil, uh, to the old systems of belief that don't make you free but enslave you. And some of you who are listening right now are enslaved. You become a slave of your sin. You become a slave of a system. You're not free. But you can be free. And that's what Galatians is all about. It's about a freedom that Jesus Christ gives by his death, his resurrection, and by when anyone turns to the Lord, the spirit where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, man. Freedom. Do you want to be free? We all, we all say, oh, of course I do. Then don't enslave yourself to false systems. And if your sin is enslaving you, cut it off, Jesus said. That means take radical measures with it. Uh, He's not literally saying cut off your hand. He is using extreme language to say, do something uh, 
serious with it so you're not playing a game with your sin anymore so you can truly be free. And of course, freedom is found ultimately in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we've been talking about, being adopted into God's family so that you can know him. You know, sometimes things like this might turn off people to the Bible, but all the Bible is talking about here specifically is slavery to sin or to old systems. And anybody who's ever been there knows exactly what that feels like and knows the beauty of what it means to be free. Well, I'd like to give you some encouragement right now. If you're feeling some fear and you've been enslaved by fear, you know, God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power love and a sound mind. First Timothy one, seven. One of the things that helps me when I'm feeling a little overwhelmed is to start quoting Bible verses like first Timothy one, seven to myself. Sometimes I have to quote scripture to myself and that's a good thing. Like Philippians four, six, and seven, for example, or first Peter five, seven. These are verses I would encourage you to go to Psalm 46, 10, and they will be a good remedy for feeling fear. See, fear is swallowed up by faith in God. Let the fear of the Lord swallow up all your other fears. That's my encouragement to you. If you're afraid to go outside right now, afraid to go to church, whatever the reason may be, uh, if we can help you in any way, please reach out and ask for prayer. We'd love to pray for you. There's several ways you can reach us, but let's keep it simple for this time. Just go to walkintruth.com and you can send us a note, walkintruth.com. Well, we're excited to continue in this message called Adoption as Sons. What a beautiful picture adoption is of the gospel. We'll talk more about that tomorrow, Lord willing, right here. See you then. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 1 through 7, called Adoption as Sons. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.